Wow, happy Mother's Day. And uh, thank you to our moms who sacrifice, who are so courageous, so uh, willing and unselfish. And we want to say thank you. And at the same time as a church, we want to acknowledge that today's uh, as great of a day it is uh, for so many. It's also a hard day. And at our church, we have so many of our members that have lost their moms this year. And this, we want to come alongside of you and just know that that's uh, on our hearts also. Because that makes a day like this a, a good day and a hard day at the same time. Amen, church? And so uh, we love you and thank you for uh, being here on this day. I... Um, I came across a deal uh, called 10 Facts About Mother's Day, and I want to share it with you here uh, this morning. They're not in any particular order, but just interesting. See how many of these you knew. 22 million phones will ring on Mother's Day. Number two, green cards are the top of the list for Mother's Day gifts. Number three, Mother's Day is the busiest restaurant day of the year. Did you know that? I, I wouldn't have guessed that. Number four, Mother's Day was made official on May 9th, 1914 by which president? Woodrow Wilson. Someone said it over there. Good job. Americans will spend $31 billion on Mother's Day. Not in my house, but that, that, that's... Uh... The carnation is the official Mother's Day flower. Did you guys know that? Um, Number seven, it goes with uh, number three. What mom wants most on Mother's Day is to eat out with her family. Number eight, most women have their first child in their 20s. Uh, that's changed now in 2023. Didn't one of the f- actors have a baby yesterday at 79? So anyways, it's the new 20. <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, no. Number nine, number nine. American mothers are influencing 73.1 million children. And I put this last one last because you'll see, I think number nine and 10 are so important. Number 10, Mother's Day is the third most attended church day. Did you know that? I, 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 I guess if I sat down long enough, but we know what, Christmas and Easter, but Mother's Day. And, and you know why that is? It's because of number nine, uh, mothers have so much influence on their children that many, and I met many for service. <laughs> I could say it. Well, it's online now. Hi to you, those of you online and moms especially. But um, I did meet those um, children that came because their mom requested. <laughs> Adult children are like, yeah, hi, pastor. Nice to meet you. But um, if you're one of those, good job. At least you're here. And um, so we're glad that you're spending Mother's Day. We're actually um, closing off a series called Discover Life that we started five weeks ago. And it's really, the series is a, um, I would call it kind of like the Cliff Notes. I don't know if they even have those anymore. We used to have those in high school. If you don't want to read the full book, you got the Cliff Note version. This is the Cliff Notes of Christianity. What, what if we were to pour down or boil down the, the Bible and the New Testament, and what is most important about Christianity uh, this is what this series has been about. So the week one was uh, we learned about Jesus. And we learned that Christianity is not a religion, but it's a relationship. And then we, second week, we learned about the word. 
The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It actually is relevant to our lives today. It ought to be the authority in our lives. And then the following week, we talked about sin. And we talked about how we all sin and how it separates us from God and that no one of us is better than the other. And then we talked about grace. And if sin is the radical problem, grace is the radical solution. Pastor John did a great job last week talking about what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it look like to be a Christian? And a Christian obeys God's word and loves others and and bears fruit, all those things. And then we talked about, well, if we came to that place where we want to say yes to Jesus, what does that look like? How does one become a Christian? And we learned that you have to believe in Jesus, that you have to uh, repent, that you confess, and that you're baptized. And so that kind of catches you up really quick. But today, the very last lesson, I strategically put this here on Mother's Day because it's the church. It's the church. And I am excited about preaching this message. And if I could be really honest, I think I got about three hours worth of material. So um, we're, gonna, we're not going to do it for three hours, but we're going we're gonna to look into God's word and see what, not what does the world say the church is, but what does God say the church is. And I am so grateful for you moms that um, are here today and uh, bringing us to, as children, to the church to hear the truth of God. God bless you. Father in heaven, thank you. Help me. Help me to know what to preach and what not to of all the things that I want to share. Help me to share what you want me to share. And God, help us to listen. Help us to be ready. And uh, God, do your thing. We love you. In Jesus' name. All God's people said? So Matthew uh, 16, verse 18, Jesus is speaking. And it's towards, uh, towards getting towards the end of his ministry. And he says this to one of his disciples named Peter. He says, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. That's what my version says. That's a different version, but it's basically the same thing. We are introduced to the concept of the church for the very first time in this passage in Matthew. And I've always said this. If you've been at West Valley long enough, you're like, you're like ah, I've heard this, Pastor, but I think it's so important. And I, and I have fun sometimes at night even thinking about this. What was Jesus picturing when he said this? What was he picturing when he talked about the church to, to Peter? Like, like, was he talking about the A-frame? And I, when I talk about the A-frame on our campus, right when you pull in, you see the A-frame right there? That's our preschool. But actually, that's where we used to meet as a church. We had like four or five services in there uh, when we, before all this was built. But what I tend to forget about is uh, many times we will have uh, conversations with visitors and people that don't normally go to church, and they'll say when they pulled on the compass, they thought, that was the church. Don't raise your hand if that was you. But that looks kind of more like a church than this commercial building, right? Quote, unquote. And so was that what Jesus was thinking about? Or was he thinking about stained glass windows? Was he thinking about a big massive cross? And I would say this, no. He wasn't thinking about any of that stuff. Now, I know that for sure. I don't know exactly what he was thinking about, but I know he wasn't thinking about a building because the church is not a building. Did you know that? And for those of you that maybe are new to Christianity or maybe new to church, or maybe you're the one that got twisted to come to church today, and again, I'm glad that you're here. The church is not a building. Jesus never envisioned a building. Now, please hear me. Buildings aren't bad, but they're not the church. Are you with me, church? 
So what does the church look like? Well, I can tell you this. If you go to the New Testament, you got the first book is Matthew, then you got Mark, Luke, John, and then the next book is Acts. And Acts is the best book to read if you wanna know what Jesus pictured the church being like because it's the first church. And there's a lot to say here, but basically Peter, who Jesus said, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail, Peter is the one when Jesus, what we just celebrated with Easter, when the death, the burial, and the resurrection, and then Jesus ascended to heaven. He says, I'm coming back, but I'm preparing all of you a place right now. But he says, now is your time to be the church. And to the 12 disciples who he poured his whole life into, he says, now go. In Matthew chapter 22, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the church. He told those 12 to go. And then you see in Acts, early on, Peter's the one that gets to preach. The one that always talks before he thinks, he's the one that gets to preach. He preaches a message. It says the people were cut to the heart in Acts chapter 2. And they said, what do we do with this good news that you've just told us, Peter? He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then the Bible says in that, it says over 3,000 gave their life to Christ. Can you imagine what that must have been like? To see 3,000 people give their life to Jesus Christ. And here is the beginning of the church. And so now if you continue reading in Acts, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we're going to see a little bit of what the actual church looks like. Not the brick, not the mortar, not the big cross outside. But what does the church look like? Acts chapter 2, verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, and to prayer. And then it goes on. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And the believers met together. The believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared their money to those in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with joy and generosity. All while praising who? Praising God and enjoying the goodwill of who? All the people. And each day, this is so awesome, and each day what happened? The Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Here is a picture of the church. Do you see a mention of a building? Now, some of you could go, well, the temple is a building. Okay, so there's that. But that's not the church. It's the people. It's the believers coming together and eating together. It's the believers coming together and fellowshipping. The believers coming together and listening to God's teaching. The believers coming together and praying together. That's the church. Amen? And that's the church today. Yes, we have buildings all over the place. But as we saw during this thing called the pandemic, do you remember that thing? Open up your history books. No. Can you imagine there'll be a time maybe that will be devoted in history books to that? But there was a time in our recent history with the pandemic, right? And, 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 and the government told us at one time, not just the church, they told restaurants and, and workplaces of all kinds, but they also told the church, you need to shut your doors. You guys remember that? Like, you can't gather together. And we had so many rules, and they were changing all the time, and I, I could hardly even keep up with it. But here's the reality. The church never stopped being the church at West Valley. Did we shut our doors? 
Did we set those physical doors out here, those glass doors? Yes or no? We did, didn't we? We shut the doors. And let me just tell you something. And I said this many times on the lawn, and sometimes people had different, <laughs> did you, can you imagine people had different opinions even within the church during COVID? Oh boy, that one about wiped me out. But here's the reality. I said this on the lawn many times. Even though we have the right to do something doesn't make it right to do. So honestly, we the church had the right to keep the doors open and there were some churches that fought it and they said, we're gonna keep the doors open. And God bless them, every church got to make their decision. But our decision was this. Yes, we have the right to keep the doors open. Yes, we have the right to keep meeting. Yes, we have the right for all that kind of stuff. But we wanted to be a good witness to our neighbors. We didn't know exactly what was going on with COVID. We didn't know exactly how it was all playing out. We didn't know all that stuff. And so we wanted to be a good witness. And we never shut down as a church. We became online overnight. And praise God for all of you. I think there's around 300 of you that are watching. And we love you guys. Thank you for participating and we, we're, we get encouraging notes from you guys. Keep doing so. And we want you to continue to be the extension of the church wherever you are. But we did that. And then you guys remember, raise your hand if you ever worshiped out on the lawn. Okay, there's a few of you, yeah? Yeah, I see some of you online. You're, how'd you, yeah. Um, but we, we were blessed because a lot of churches didn't have that option. And we said, we're gonna, we're gonna worship out on the lawn. Out on the lawn was awesome for this guy. You know why? I got to wear rainbows. I got to wear shorts, sunglasses, and a hat to preach in. And there was canopies, and a lot of you, you backed up your trucks to the, the grass, and you popped up the backs, and you pulled out your chairs. I mean, it was a party out on the lawn every Sunday, amen? I'll never forget, after meeting for a year, I stood out the lawn, and I'm like, I mean, these guys are going to be so excited. We made such a good decision. Church, guess what? We're going back inside. You booed me. <laughs> you stinking booed me, and it hurts my feelings still. <laughs> And I booed myself because I really liked it out there. But church, if you're taking notes, write this down. The church is people, not a building. Acts 4.32, all the believers were united in heart and mind and they felt that what they owned was not their own. They shared everything they had. The apostles testified to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And then it goes on and says, they, they did everything together. Church, I can't pound this point hard enough. The church is people, believers, not a building. I want to make sure I say this. West Valley Christian Church strives to be a God-honoring church. But with that said, we are far from being a perfect church. There is no such thing as a perfect church. And this is where I want to get real with you because I'm, I'm hearing this more and more that People, I just had a, a meeting last week with somebody. And he goes, Pastor, I want to tell you my story with, quote, unquote, the church. And he goes, this is where I was raised in this kind of church. And I went to these kind of camps. And they showed me these kind of scary movies about God. And, and, and then he just, he just went on to share his testimony. And, and basically, it, it, it ruined him. 
from a, from a religious standpoint, uh, from a relationship standpoint of God because his experiences of men and women and the physical church was his picture of who God was. And his, his experiences were not healthy. As a matter of fact, he was taught to, to feel less about himself than what God would say. I don't want you to raise your hand, but I think there's a lot of us that have had that experience. And praise God for whatever reason, you've pushed through it to be here today. But I want to tell you something. That breaks my heart. Because there's too many of those stories out there. And I want to say this. Again, the building is not the church. People are the church. And people are sinners and people are flawed. Therefore, churches will not be perfect. Amen? And so I am sorry if you've been hurt by the church. I'm sorry if you've been hurt by this church. But that doesn't mean God isn't God. And that doesn't mean God isn't awesome. Amen? And I say thank you. You see, Jesus died for the church, and Jesus is coming back for the church. And so for the person that says, ah, I'm a Christian, and I love Jesus, but I don't need the church, that doesn't make sense. You can't, you can't do that. You can't separate yourself from the bride of Christ and say, I don't need that. Because at the very core of it is self, isn't it? And again, I understand sometimes we protect ourselves because of our bad experiences with some bad churches. But just because there's a bad teacher doesn't mean all teachers are bad. And just because there's a bad coffee house doesn't mean all coffee houses are bad. And just because there's a bad lawyer doesn't mean all lawyers are bad. And I could go on with this. And just because there's a bad church doesn't mean all churches are bad. Are you with me, church? And so I am for the church, and more importantly, God is for the church, and that's why Jesus says it's his bride. And I am going to argue that you can't be obedient to God's word without being plugged into the church. You see, there's over 59, how many? 59, you know, I don't even know how, what, what that is, but there's 59 commandments in the Bible that talk about one another. Love one another, rejoice with one another, mourn with one another, um, pray for one another, confess to one another. These are all throughout Scripture, and we can't do that alone. You can't one another yourself. And so here's the, and, and now here's Pastor Rob. This is, just, this is just me, my personal opinion. Somehow God put this on my heart early on in ministry, and I remember I've said this for many years. We need to come to church with the attitude of giving, not getting. And that's not normal. That's not normal. And even churches have promoted the, oh, come to us and we're going to fix everything for you and we're going to give everything to you and you're going to be happy and you're going to be walking out shiny, sparkling, clean, and darn it, you're going to have a BMW by the exit. Well, BMW used to be that. Maybe it's a Tesla now. But church, the truth is, as I read this book, we're all messy people. We're all sinners, including this guy, Amen. And I might be the biggest sinner of all. But we together are the church and we need one another. We need to build each other up. We need to hold each other accountable. We need to pray for each other. We need to mourn with each other. We had a, one of our family members uh, passed uh, this week from our church. You know, I was on my way to fight night and ended up heading over there to that family and just was able to mourn with them. And, and that's, that's what we do, right? 
Or you could go to one of our members' kids' soccer game, and you can rejoice as he kicked the goal into his own goal, you know? I, right? I mean, that's, that's the church, isn't it? It's together. Are you with me? And we look at Scripture, and we see Hebrews 13, 12, 13. It says, be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while still uh, today. My, my version uh, uh, in the NIV, it says this, but encourage one another daily as it is today. We need, we need each other. I need you, and you need me. Amen. God has blessed us with an amazing facility, 70,000 square foot of beautiful facility. And so the facility, our, our facility is not evil, but it's a tool. And it's a beautiful tool, by the way. I don't know if you know that. But we could have this building and not be a church. There's, I'm going to get in some, you guys look, really ready for this. So I'm going to give you a little deeper stuff here. So in the church world, there's, there's two kinds of churches that they talk about. There's a missional church, and a missional church is a church that, that, that does a lot of missions. So they do a lot of things in the community, right? And then there's the attractional church. So attractional churches are, you know, they, they, they put up all pretty people up on the stage, and, and so I wouldn't make it. But they, and then they put, you know, smoke and, and lights and, and all this kind of stuff. And I'm not saying anti to that, but they really put a lot of effort and money into the show. And so attractional is like, hey, we're going to put on this amazing service, and you guys come, 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 look, look, look. And so some churches are very attractional, and some churches are very missional. And what I believe is you got to be both. And not many people say that, but I think if you're a missional church and you're doing all the things like we did last week, we were uh, at, uh, at the police department and, and we, uh, I told you guys we, we rented out a, um, uh, one of those coffee um, carts and they did the espressos and the lattes and all that. And we, we gave I can say we gave drinks to cops all day. We gave coffee to cops all day in the morning, all day night, donuts, all that kind of stuff. They loved it. That's missional, right? Being there. Like, why are you guys doing this? We just, we just respect and we, we value what you do. Then we're with the nurses two days, two days later. And um, I want to thank Lori and Emily are here. Lori Kraft, Emily. You guys made these, these um, cups with lotions in it and gum and all kinds of stuff. And, and we as a staff... I, I would not have believed it unless I saw it. I'm going to be honest with you. I would not have believed it. We tried seven years to get into West Hills Hospital. They only let me come in there when it's awful situations to pray, with, pray for tragic kind of situations back in the day. Knock, knock, knock. Pastor Greg has been persistent uh, six, seven years. We're in there. Pastor Greg's the official chaplain over there now. They asked us to come over for two days. So, so I walk in late because I'm visiting with one of our families that just lost their um, loved one. And so I jet over there. I get up to the fifth floor and, and Pastor Greg's got like eight or nine nurses that are standing there. And he's sharing, you guys are the hands that are first going to touch their patient. You're the ones that are going to wipe them. And he just says this stuff for like 30, 40 seconds. I think what he says is amazing. And he says, we'd like to pray for you. They all bow their heads. And here's Pastor Rob. I can't believe what I'm seeing. Pastor Rob did not bow his head. Pastor Rob wanted to see if these guys really were praying. And I was blown away. And we did this eight or nine different times. We did it in the ER with all the craziness of everybody running around. We got all these nurses in there in the middle of chaos and they're bowing their heads and they're getting these gifts and they did that for two days in a row. Why do I share all that? Because that is what the church is about. 
We can't just be a country club that kind of huddles in here and we can't hold each other's hand and go, okay, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. Let's be scared of the world, Jesus is coming. Let's play songs that we like for ourselves and let's be people that we like and don't let any of those sinners come in that have this kind of sin, this kind of sin, this kind of sin. That's not the church. That's not what Jesus died for. That's a country club. We're not a museum that says, oh, look at all the good things that we did in the past. We're the church. It's alive and it's active. And it's a place for all people. Now, that doesn't mean all people are called to just stay comfortable and keep living in sin. All of us need to, to recognize what God says and wants for our lives. But this is where we need to get that. Amen? And so we don't need shame. And we don't need guilt. And the church shouldn't be a place of shame and guilt. I, I just, just recently met with a guy, a young man. He's going to give his life to the Lord. And he's like, Pastor, I'm nervous about this decision. I'm like, why are you nervous? He goes, because I'm so bad. I'm like, what does that mean? Oh, I've been in prison, and I've disappointed this person, and I've scared this person, and I've stole this thing, and I've done that, and then lists off all this stuff. And from a worldly standpoint, sure, bad. From God's standpoint, I got you. I got you. And we got to stop that shame and guilt stuff. I'm going I'm to be very honest on, and maybe you could call this therapy time with Pastor Rob, and I appreciate it. On this Mother's Day, um, so my mom passed, I think, I think next a couple of weeks it'll be um, around nine, I think it's nine years. And uh, we had her service, Celebration of Life service right here. And as a pastor, I've done probably hundreds of these, but I wasn't going to do my mom's. I, I just didn't think I could do it. And my sister's got a beautiful voice, and I was like, Krista, you need to sing at this thing. She goes, I don't know if I can. And I said, well, let's make a deal. On the day of, and I'm sitting right where you guys are, the Patrick's family, right here. <laughs> I'm sitting right there. My stinking sister got up here. And I'm not sitting there going, oh, Krista, you're amazing. You're wonderful. I'm thinking, that sucks. That means I have to get up there. <laughs> and she did a beautiful job. And I got up there. I did my thing. But here's, here's the thing. And I, I've shared this before. Because remember, I'm talking about shame and guilt, right? And we're talking about Mother's Day here. Service is over. My heart's just, you know, wrecked. I'm trying to be pleasant. One of my mom's longtime friends walks down, puts her hand on my shoulder, and says, oh, finally, your mom's not going to have to live in guilt and shame. I'm sorry, and I probably shouldn't say this, but I want to say it. I wanted to say, what the flip are you talking about? Like, what, what, what caused you to think that you needed to tell me this in this moment? And what I found out was, you know, my mom was a single mom pretty much my entire life. And you moms have to deal with something. I think us dads deal with it, but totally different, not on the level you guys do. But you moms deal with guilt and shame all the time with being a mom. And you do it to each other, you know, mom shaming. Um, Facebook, social media has not helped that at all. But you don't even need Facebook and, 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 and social media. Help. Moms, you are so amazing that we can look at you like this but for whatever reason, you always look at yourselves down here. Am I right, church? Like for whatever reason, moms always think that they're not good enough and that they're failing. 
And I want to tell you, moms, you are doing an amazing job. Thank you. You're not as bad as you think you are. And I know you want the best for your children. And you sacrifice in ways that none of us will ever know. And I want to say thank you. And then I have a special heart for single moms. With my mom having been a single mom. And that brings me back to the day where that lady says she doesn't have to live in guilt and shame. And eventually I was able to ask her, what what was all that about? I didn't tell her what I thought of her. She goes, your mom was so filled with guilt and shame because she didn't think that she gave you the best life. And I'm like, if I could do it all over again, guys, if there's one thing I could tell my mom, I'd say, mom, thanks. You were an amazing mom for everything that you did and all the sacrifice. Now, I say that in the context of church and Mother's Day, but I want to put this in the context of the church because so many of you are beating yourselves up. So many of you are walking around with that human guilt and human shame. And on behalf of Jesus Christ and his church, Let me remind you that he died for you. And if you don't think his death was good enough, then you're saying, Jesus, you died in vain. This is the message the church needs to give the world, amen? We're all trying our best. God loves you. God loves me. And so that leads me to the second point. Are you a member of his church? 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 7. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one body. So it is with Jesus Christ. Some of you are Jews, some of you are Gentiles, some of you are slaves, some of you are free, but we all have been baptized into one body, one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Paul continues on to talk about the body and comparing it to the church. And he says, the church is like the human body. If it was just one eye, where would the sense of smell be? If the church was just an ear, where would the sense of sight be? But the church is many, many parts, many, many bodies. And just like this human body, I need every part. And when every part is functioning, I am at its best. So is the church. Every one of you matters. You can't sing, so what? Mandy can. <laughs> you can't speak, you can't vacuum, you can't do sound, you can't deal with children, you can't tolerate teens, whatever it is, we're all unique. Praise God, this isn't place filled with a bunch of Rob Dens. Can I hear an amen to that? And praise God, it's not filled with just a bunch of youths. Every one of us is important. Every one of us is needed. None of us is a mistake. And shame needs to flee from this place. And grace needs to abound. And the good news of Jesus Christ needs to be not only preached here in this room, but it needs to be preached out there at LAPD. It needs to be preached to the nurses over at West Hills. It needs to be in the coffee shops at Starbucks and Pete's and Coffee Bean and wherever your favorite place is. Do you see what I'm talking about? That's the church, and that's what I'm excited about. Are you a part of it? Don't say you don't need it. You see, I need you, 
and you need me. Church, part of it is you're, you're, ex, you're, you're ministering to a church next week. I won't be here. But because of your generosity, because of your love, because of what you've done in my heart, I will be preaching at a church next Sunday in Hawaii, a church where you met the pastor last week. I introduced you to him. It's a church that is a turnaround church. It's got so much bad history recently, but God has been doing amazing things with amazing leadership. You could be praying for me on spending an all-day session with the elders there and helping them, uh, encourage them. I'm going to be meeting with staff, encouraging them on another day, and, and, and I'm preaching on a Sunday. And, and again, this, this boat is being turned. But what happened with this church is they became a country club and nobody was allowed to move anything because it was all associated with something that they had done or they had to give. And all they were caring about was themselves. And God has come in there and rescued that church, amen? And so be praying for that. I don't want us to become a country club or a museum. My challenge is this as I close. One is the most important decision you could ever make is that for Jesus Christ. If you're online, you know, I, I can't promise you we'd fly out to you and baptize you, but we'd figure out a way to do this. We'd find someone that could go baptize you. Giving your life to Jesus Christ is the most important thing. Secondly, if you've given your life to Christ, I am begging you that if you believe that this is a God-fearing, Bible-preaching church, that you would say, I want to become a member. I'm a Christian. I want to become a member of this body. I want to put skin in the game right here to make a difference in this part of the valley. It's exciting. I think we had six, seven, eight decisions first service. I think we've got another eight or nine this, this, this session, amen, of people saying, you know what? It's time to get going. We've got a lot of work to do. To, to get rid of the shame and guilt that people are expressing and let them ex find the grace of Jesus Christ in the church today. Father, thank you. Help us to do so. Help us to be the church. We love you. And we ask that you bless this time. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said,